0: And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox.
1: Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where, for yet another week, we're giving you the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And longtime listeners know that if it's the last Wednesday of the month, it must be what? Question and answer week on Real Life Real Estate Investing. If you tend to forget that sort of thing, by the way, you can always go to our website at realliferealestate.com and, um, you know, fill out the little form that says, hey, feel free to send me an email every Wednesday so I can remember that the show's coming on and to listen to it live so I can ask questions and also know what the topic is so that I know whether to tune in or not. Always can encourage listeners to stay in touch that way, or on our Facebook page, which is Real Life Real Estate Investing, or of course via email at askvina at gmail dot com. Today's the day when it's all about what you want to know, and because the the email that went out today, I always I always send out an email that says, "Here's what's coming up on the show," and also here's some other stuff that's happening, and sometimes I just share random thoughts about. Deals I'm doing, or the real estate market, or creative finance, or something like that. And the headline to today's uh, email went out saying, um, uh, question answer week, wholesaling class, and more. And so all the questions I got were about wholesaling (laughs) because everybody, everybody who (laughs) opened the email were were people who saw the wholesaling part and went, Oh, I want to know more about that. Okay, not literally all the questions, but lots of the questions uh, that came in today were about wholesaling. However, if you still would like to get a question in, there are two ways to do that. You can go the brave route and call and be live on the radio at 877-772-9658. 877-772-9658. That will probably make sure that you get your question answered for sure, because they, they tend to pile up in the inbox at um, toward a, toward the end of the program, et cetera. But if you're willing to risk that, that your question doesn't get answered this week because it piles up in the inbox, then you can send it to askvina at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-V like in Victor. E N a at gmail.com. So let's hit the questions. Cause there's a bunch of them. And uh, before I forget to say this, I really appreciate these questions that you listeners send in, especially on the last Wednesday of the month, because when there's no questions, it's just like, you know, what do we do? It's live radio. It's not, as in a podcast where we can stop it and start it and edit it all together. And you know, I, I found out a question. I say, Mike, you have any questions about real estate? And He's like, what does that have anything to do with, with old radio? I don't know. Uh, so really do appreciate it. Uh, first question is from uh, Rod in Columbus. And he says, when driving for dollars to find properties, do you send marketing to properties listed under an LLC or is this a waste of time? You know, we should do a whole show about driving for dollars, someday because I. It's such an amazing way to find deals, and so many people don't understand how to do it. Like they don't even understand. Like I get questions all the time. Like, well, what neighborhood should I drive in, and what am I looking for, and how do I turn the address that I wrote down into a viable name and and, and contact information for a seller? I think we'd do a whole show nothing but driving for dollars. And one of the other really common questions is do I market to properties that are owned by an LLC instead of a an individual human being? And Rod, I'm going to give you a different answer today than I would have given you 15 years ago. 15 years ago, when I found out that a property was owned by an LLC, I did not market to it. Because 15 years ago, it was a pretty sure thing that the owner of that property was the owner of multiple properties and was a professional real estate investor or, um, you know, rehabber or something like that. And and whenever I would market to them, I would get, you know, I'm not, not really looking to sell, but you know, if you want to give me full price, I'll think about selling it to you. What has happened in the, in the ensuing 15 years is that, um, the big education mills, which actually are have have a much bigger reach than uh, you know real real educators like real estate associations. It's all backwards. You know, real estate associations are two hundred fifty bucks a year to belong to and are full of people who are active and do a good job of you know producing local education that actually works in the area where you live and all that sort of stuff and they have a little bit of reach into the real estate investing community and then there's the big education mills where you can pay forty fifty sixty seventy thousand dollars for education that's not local and very little access to other folks who are actual active real estate investors and yet they probably have ten times the names that RIA groups do. So what they have done in the past 15 years is they have convinced everybody in the whole world that they need to get an LLC before they buy their first property. So there are an awful lot of people who have an LLC and one property that they are doing very badly with and can't handle and ran out of money for the rehab and rented it for a while and decided they hated it, renting it so bad that they just aren't ever going to put another tenant in it. And uh, so, Yes right if it's an LLC. Now, I will temper that by saying, obviously, if it is a bank that owns the property or if it is an LLC that appears to be some sort of a lender or note buyer, so if the name is something like, uh, you know, Second Chance Home Lenders LLC or something like that, uh, probably not. And if it is a hedge fund, which wouldn't necessarily say llc it might say inc corp something like that though the the hedge funds that are out there right now are mostly uh buy and hold companies so that's probably a wasted stamp they're probably not looking to resell it but any any normal llc that you look at the name you go yeah that's some dude who bought a property in an llc go ahead and write to it. Thank you for your question, Rod. We're going to take a quick break after which we're apparently going to go to the phones and talk to Roberto in Virginia. If you want to get your question in 877-772-9658 or send an email, askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. It's Q&A week here on Real Life Real Estate. And I just got, um, I'm going to come to you guys on the phone, Roberto and Ibris. But I just got a um, email from Hez in Washington who um, has a question that we could do four shows on and folks still wouldn't necessarily get it. So I'm going to... I'm going to say this. The question is about rap mortgages. <laughs> he says, How can a wrap mortgage boost the return for an investor with a small amount of money? And gosh, you know, now I'd have to spend an hour explaining what a wrap mortgage was, and then and then there's math that would work better if I wasn't on the radio and I had a whiteboard or a, a an Excel spreadsheet or something like that. So has and everybody else who's interested in wrap mortgages. If you go to YouTube and you search my name, Vena Jones Cox, I have a channel there and the very first video on the channel, at least as I see it laid out is one called wrap mortgages and or all inclusive deeds of trust. And those are the same exact thing. A wrap mortgage and an all inclusive deed of trust are exactly the same thing. This was a, uh, webinar I did with, uh, Bill Cook back in January, I guess. And it, 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 it b- before you start that video, get yourself a glass of wine, get yourself planted. I mean, it's an hour plus long, but I think that's going to answer a lot of your questions. Now, I'm guessing that if my smart boy is listening right now, he is currently making me a bitly link that I can give away to you guys so that you don't have to go through the process of go to YouTube, find my channel, find this thing, and that he will send it to me, and I will be able to tell you, tell you guys what it is later in the show. Okay, let's go to the phones. Line one, Roberto in Virginia. Roberto, welcome to Real Life Real Estate.
0: Hi, Vena. Thanks for taking my call. You're
1: very welcome. I'm very glad to hear from you.
0: Likewise. Thank you. So you've you've addressed this question a few times, and I just wanted to see if your opinion has changed or not. Should investors pursue real estate licenses? And the reason I ask that is because, number one, I want to help people, but I also want to generate some cash to pay down my portfolio a lot faster so we can get to our freedom number. And I just want to get your thoughts on that.
1: So my thought has never been you absolutely should or absolutely should not pursue a real estate license my my thought has always been if you're going to do it do it for the right reasons and they, they, lots of investors go that like they think that somehow getting a real estate license is a step in being an investor <laughs> like I, I go and I join a RIA and then I go get my real estate license and then I become an investor and of course that's just not true uh, a lot of people seem to think that Going to those classes that you have to go to to be a, a licensee is, uh, gonna be a, a lot of additional education that will help you a lot in investing. And it doesn't. It's, it, there's there's an entire, you know, it, in Ohio, I know that all, all states are a little bit different, but in Ohio, there's a, an entire, uh, what is it, 30 hour class that you have to take about real estate financing, and every bit of it is about conventional FHA, VA, USDA. It's about the kind of financing you get if you're a homeowner, (laughs) not if you're an investor. So it's not true that you get a bunch of education that's going to help you a lot in your real estate investing career. I also hate seeing people use it as a procrastination technique, Hey, have you, have you written any offers yet? No, I'm getting my real estate license. So I'm, I'm having to study all the time and then I got to take the test, but I really am going to talk to a seller when I'm done with all of that. And what I'm hearing is, Oh, so it's easier to take more classes than it is to actually go do the work of being a real estate investor. So those are the reasons that I generally tell people don't, don't get a license if any of those things are what's in your head. But what you're telling me is in your head is I, Roberto, believe that I can make a lot of money by also listing properties and selling properties, and I have a goal for that money, which is I want to pay off my real estate portfolio faster, and I say you have thought this through a lot, and you should go do it. Great. <laughs> so it's not... It, I mean, the, the the right answer to every question in real estate, really, when you get down to it, is it depends, Right. Should I get a real estate license? I don't know. It depends. Should I wholesale? I don't know. It depends. Should I offer one hundred seventy thousand dollars for this house? I don't know. It depends. <laughs> you know, there's there yes. there's it, that is always the right answer, and everybody, everybody, including me, like when I ask a question, I I just want you to you know just outline it for just tell me what to do, give me step one, two, three, four, five, and six. And like everybody else, I'm, I normally get the the answer, it depends. And we just all have to get comfortable with that. And uh, for you, I am saying you've already told me what I would what I would say when I said, I don't know, Roberta, it depends. Tell me about this. You've already told me? I think the real estate license sounds like the right thing for you.
0: That sounds awesome. Now, and to your point, 50 or 60 hours into this class, nothing about investing yeah. at all. I know about brokerages, I know about agencies, <laughs> but I have no idea about if you were if, if I was starting from ground zero, this would not be the route I would take to learn how to invest. But since I already have that background, I just thought it makes sense as another, I guess you would call it a diversification strategy to use the profits for
1: another purpose. Mhm. No, I totally I you you've got it. Okay? Like you you've got it figured out, but do you know how many people they just blindly go into it and spend all that money and all that time and stress out about the test and you know, they get 60 hours in and realize this has nothing to do with that real estate investing thing I wanted to do, but it's too late cuz they're already 60 hours in and they've paid for the other 60. So they just keep going down the path.
0: That's unfortunate.
1: It is so. Actually, this is um this. Your question fits right in with a question that Roman sent in via email. See, uh, he's in Cleveland, and uh, this I was going to address with you next. He says, if you're a licensed agent in the state on a wholesale appointment where it's obvious that the seller is not going to accept your offer, and you start to discuss listing the property. At what point does agency kick in? And that was the next thing I was going to ask you, Roberto, is have you thought about how you are going to keep your agent hat and your investor hat separate? Because it's hard to switch hats. You can't you can't go to a listing appointment and say, oh, my gosh, you know what? I want to make you an offer on this house And of course, it's going to be a low offer because you're an investor and that's how you have to buy properties, because you've already really established agency by going on a listing appointment. And you can you can untangle that a little bit with the permission of your broker by referring the person off to another agent to say, you know, I can't represent you if I'm going to make this offer. And if you want me to make this offer, that means I need to find you another agent who's going to represent you. Uh, but, of course, that creates the complication that that other agent who represents then is going to say, don't take Roberto's offer. I can get you $20,000 more than that. So one, yes. one of the things you, you really have to think through as an agent slash investor is how do I obey license law and still be able to do both businesses at the same time? because the question Roman's asking is the reverse. It's, it's okay. I went on a, this person reached out to me because I was an investor, not because I was an agent. I did not, I intentionally did not establish agency. In fact, I probably said in my marketing and then also told him on the phone, I am a licensed agent, but I'm looking to buy your house, not to list it. Right. That's how we are very clear that we're not establishing agency. And then also when we get, when we, when we sit down and start actually talking contracts we put an agency disclosure in front of them that says Roberto is an agent and Roberto is working for Roberto not for not for you mr. seller and we get all that signed as is required by our states and uh but he but Roman saying I go in there I look around you know I'm thinking I'm gonna have to pay 150 for this house he wants two fifty I should list it that's the reverse of the situation of they called you for a listing and you decided you want to sell it. So Roberto, you need to think this through, talk it through with your broker, wherever you land with a brokerage about, about how they want it to be. And Roman agency, what what you should have done on that wholesale appointment before you ever got there was say you were not their agent. You were not their agent. And now you want to you've decided in the middle of this appointment that you want to change and you need to say so. You need to say, We talked about how I wasn't your agent, I wanted to buy the property. I think I can do better for you if I am your agent and would you like to talk about that? And then of course they're gonna sign a listing agreement and an agency disclosure that says you are representing them. That that, that direction is safer than Somebody called you to list their property and you decided you wanted to buy it. Got it. Okay, so yeah, talk that through, think it through, figure out how you're going to do all those disclosures. Um, you know, I've been doing it for years and years and years and years. It's not that tough. It's just you, you've got to know what you're doing there since you want to work both sides of the business, Roberto.
0: Thank you very much, Dean. I really appreciate your time.
1: You're very welcome. Let's go to line two, Ibris in Columbus. Ibris, welcome to Real Life Real Estate.
0: Hey. Hey. Thank you for uh, having me on.
1: Thank you for calling.
0: Yeah, um, I had a question on, um, like, I'm trying to purchase my first um, investment property. I wanted to know if, Buying out of state is the best option since I'm um, right now in my own uh, market in Columbus, the properties are a little overpriced, and like what what's the best um, strategy is to do that?
1: So I assume you're talking about buying a rental property. Yes. why do you think the properties in Columbus are overpriced?
0: Um, they're just a little out of my, my price range right now.
1: Okay. So it's not that they're overpriced. It's that with the availability of cash and credit you have, they're, they're just outside the range of what you can pay right now. Yeah. Okay. Have you looked in Pickaway County?
0: Um, no, I haven't looked in Picker Pickaway.
1: Okay. So, so as you know, there are what five counties that touch Franklin County and about yeah. three of those counties are a lot cheaper because they're not, you know, in a, in a, in a crowded housing shortage metro area. And in my opinion, you are much better off buying something that you can lay eyes on yourself. And that if something goes wrong, yeah, it's going to take you an hour to get there when you jump in your car, but you can jump in your car and get there. D- these, uh, out of state property purchases that people do when they're in, you know, areas that you know, they don't, they don't like how much stuff costs in their areas very often turn out disastrously for the person who bought them. And it's because. You don't understand a market in Huntsville, Alabama. Unless you happen to have lived there recently. Because you don't understand the market, you cannot tell when someone is feeding you numbers that aren't realistic numbers. You don't understand that even though even though they they showed you a lease, they got that place rented for twelve hundred dollars a month, and the and the house only costs one twenty. And you're going, that, that's that's really good. Like that's so much better than I can do in Columbus for a hundred twenty thousand dollar house. You don't know whether that twelve hundred dollar rent is realistic. And would you believe that there are some scumbag sellers out there? Who will sign a lease with a tenant for twelve hundred, knowing that the tenant can't pay that much money, yeah, and that'll it'll, it, it'll be vacant in two months you'll be doing an eviction in two months it's worse than it's worse than it'll be vacant. you'll be paying for an eviction in two months. Can you believe somebody would do that because it's happened to people I know, yeah, um, you are so much more familiar already with just how things are in Ohio. Like, you know, you know stuff about how things in o- are in Ohio that you don't even know, you know, you know, things like, um, around here, when you get a mortgage on a property, it's just a lien against the property. It's not that the bank actually owns the property or that the really a third party owns the property until you pay it off, which is how it is in half the half the States in the United States. You already know that, um, It's pretty typical that we have cold winters. And so if you see a house that's got like single pane windows, you probably ought to think about replacing it. You don't know, but you don't know that about Northern Alabama. In Northern Alabama, should you replace a single window or not? A single pane window or not? I don't know. So I think you're going to find it much more um, safe and profitable in the long run. To pick one of those outlying counties that's within an hour of where you are, Go learn some of the major small towns in there. Drive around. I mean, you got, you got, some Memorial Day weekend. You got some time. Drive around. Look, look at the areas. Look at, look at for rent signs. Look at for sale signs. Make some phone calls. Call the people who have houses for rent and say, Hey, what do you get for that house? I'm thinking about buying some rentals around here. What, what should I know about around here? If I wanted to be a rental housing provider around here, what should I know? And you can learn all kinds of things about it personally. Won't be too terribly hard for you to manage it for an out for an hour and a half away yourself, which will save you like 12% of your gross rent every month. And you won't be one of those stories that I hear all the time about people who thought they were buying a good deal, but they didn't know enough about the place where they were buying it to evaluate yeah. whether it was a good deal. And it turned out to be a terrible deal. Okay. I didn't think about it that way. <laughs> Yeah, well and I, and I'm telling you like so you 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 might be a little you might be a little bit saying, "Wow, rural areas, I don't know so much about rural areas." I love renting in rural areas. It's 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 fairly easy. There's lots of good people out there. You know, the rents are cheaper, but so are the houses. There's less competition. I'd say consider consider one of those adjoining counties
0: little areas they're like um farther out from the city than um trying to think of places uh okay i'll 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 look at little areas too
1: okay are you a are you a co-remember yeah i am okay so we can we can talk more in depth about this on like you and i can talk more in depth about it at one of the ask the expert meetings or something like that. And we can actually pick out some cities for you to go explore. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I appreciate your call and I hope you take my advice. Cause I'm telling you, I've seen this go bad. It doesn't all, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it goes bad all the time or even in the majority of cases, but it goes bad a lot. Um, all right.
0: Where's the, um, like the, on call, where's the, like, what sort of the Zoom meetings do you guys usually, or what can I usually see you?
1: Oh, I'm at all of the main meetings, um, most of the Ask the Expert meetings, all the uh, Friday morning Haves and Wants meetings. Okay. I, I I pop up on the wholesale meetings every once in a while, the beginner meetings. All right. I'm. I'm not hard oh, to find.
0: To <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. We
0: should bring it up on uh, on the next uh, meeting that I'm going to be in.
1: Okay. Well, and another another place to ask that question is the the rental housing provider meeting that that Dave Peters runs because the, those folks might have better opinions than I do about where the best places are.
0: Okay. I'm like. I still kind of knew I
1: actually joined Corey last week. Um, (laughs) Explore, explore the calendar. Explore the calendar. There's going to be plenty for you to do. Don't worry. (laughs) There's plenty of opportunities there for you to get the answers to that question. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for your call, Ibris. We are uh, in need of another break. So. You're listening to Question Answer Week. If you want to call in a question, which at this point is the only way that you can be guaranteed to get an answer before the end of the show, that number is 877-772-9658. And we will be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vena Jones-Cox, and as expected... The smart boy was all over making a bit.ly link for Hez and anyone else who wants to know what the heck a rap mortgage is or has heard it being talked about at Cincinnati RIA or at Corey and has this idea that maybe there's a way there to use a little bit of money and loan money money to invest loan much more money to investors or maybe even do some seller finance deals. And he was all over it. he made me a bitly link and i'm gonna I'm going to read it to you again. This is another limitation of radio we're all sick of zoom calls, but at least on a zoom call. you can put it in chat so people don't have to ask you for it again. The bitly link is b i t dot l y slash vena rap all in lowercase letters, bit.ly links are usually pretty case sensitive. So it's b i t . l y dot L-Y slash V-E-N-A W-R-A-P. And look, if you, if you miss that and you want it, send an email to askveen at gmail.com and I'll pop it back to you so that you can get that. Cause again, that is a great topic. It's just one of those things that you kind of have to go to a a class of some sort to learn about because trying to explain it on the radio when it's super math heavy is not easy. Uh, okay. Going back to listener questions. Joe says, so you find an empty house. The neighbors don't know where the owners went and the tax records show them living in the empty house. Where do you start looking next? I live in North Carolina and enjoy your program. Well, thanks Joe. I enjoy North Carolina. Um okay so here is I don't know I don't know why I'm feeling this impulse to answer all questions with asides today but but it's my show and that's what's happening today so maybe I'll be in a different mood next time one of the things that I'm noticing about investors who are still kind of killing it in uh the market right now as hot as it is and as competitive as it is and as inventory short as it is is that I don't care whether they're brand new or whether they've been in it for years. They are persistent. They are not letting problems like this that get in the way, get in the way. They are just, they, you know, they they have a, they have a situation like the one you're talking about and they just find a way to do it. So let me give you some suggestions about finding a way to do it because the good news is if you don't, Aren't able to easily find the owner. Neither will any of your competitors be. And, and 99 out of 100 of them will give up before they, before they get persistent like this. First question I would ask you is, have you tried a skip trace program? Have you tried one of the online people finder type things? Even if you had to pay. 30 bucks to get a subscription for a month to one of those things and you did manage to track this guy down that would be worth it right and you can always cancel next month the other thing that has always been productive for me in this regard has been um going to the courthouse the the, the county where the property is go to the courthouse's website and look for legal actions of any sort against that owner. And I'm talking about anything from foreclosures, which could be the problem here, to maybe a probate case was opened on the owner. And that's going to tell you something important. Uh, to traffic tickets. I, I have found so many people because they moved and didn't leave a forwarding address, but then they got pulled over for speeding. And the traffic ticket has their current address on it or at least a more recent address than the one you have here. The third thing to do is try tracking the owner down on social media. Um, Facebook has what, like more users now than there are human beings on earth. I mean, it's got, it's got billions of users and most folks do have a Facebook profile or a LinkedIn profile. And, uh, the problem is, of course, if their name is Joe Johnson, there's going to be, you know, 50 of them in your, in your county. And, uh, you may actually have to message all 50 of them and say, are you the Joe Johnson who owns a property at 123 Easy Street? Cause I want to talk to you about it. If they have like a, a nice complicated name. If it's like Vladimir Shmirinsky there will probably only be the one and you can probably feel pretty safe that that's either the guy or his father or his son. If that's the person you find. So, um, skip trace, look for legal actions by or against the owner. Oh, another thing I often found in legal actions was, uh, owner was getting divorced. They had filed a divorce petition or had one filed upon them by their spouse. There's usually new addresses there, right? Eviction actions, all that sort of thing. or well, I can say and track them down on social media. So uh, one of those three things will probably get you the answer you're looking for, and I hope it does. I hope you make this deal happen. And thanks for your question. Uh, okay, so I got a couple of questions that were along the lines of, um, here's a 50-point set of questions that I would like to have the answers to. And it's hard for me to kind of digest those on the air while I am talking. So I'm going to, uh, I will ultimately uh, digest those and get to them, but I'm going to go to a couple of simpler ones until we have a break where I can do that. Uh, question from... Rachel in Nashville. Hmm. That's that's a that's a new that's a new piece of information that I did not have about Rachel, but will I will in fact call him Rachel going forward. Uh, I'm new in town and want to get into real estate investing. What are the first things I should do? I heard what you said to the caller about whether one should get a real estate license. I don't think I want to do that, but where do I start? Who should I meet? What education should I get? Those are all three really good questions. See the, the normal question that one hears from new investors is how do I get started? Which is an impossible question to answer until you've sat down with a person for an hour or two and figured out where they're trying to go. But where do I start? Who should I meet? What education should I get? That's the right thought process. And of course, if you've listened to this show before, the first place I'm going to send you is your local real estate association, which in the case of Nashville is the Real Estate Investors of Nashville. It's REIN. And I believe that their uh, website, if, if you, if you Google REIN Nashville, it will come up. They're a nonprofit organization. Um the people you need to meet are going to be largely there because who you need to meet is people who know the local market, people who are already engaging in whatever strategy you decide to engage in. Y'all realize there's like five completely distinct exit strategies in real estate and they all have their own set of Gosh, everything from what's, what property and what neighborhood am I looking for to what kind of rehab am I going to do, if any, to what kind of money do I need to get to what kind of contracts do I need to use? They're all, they're all different. So it's good to be around people who are already doing it so that they can kind of help you walk through what that's going to look like. Those are largely going to be at your local real estate association. And then there's another kind of person that you need to meet, which is people who are going to end up being on your team. You're going to need at some point a real estate attorney. You're going to need at some point an asset protection attorney. You're going to need at some point a CPA who is actually uh, familiar with real estate investing and all of the complications that come with doing taxes for that. You're going to need various kinds of contractors. You're going to need a title company. In fact, your title company is I'm going to put them up at the top of the list. I named four other team members you need first, and I'm going to put the title company at the top of the list because a title company will make or break your deal as a real estate investor. Those kinds of service providers tend to congregate around, guess what, real estate associations because guess what, that's where their customers are. So you should meet people who are already doing what you're doing. You should meet people who can be on your team. You should meet people who are willing to... Give you help and support and inspiration. And, um, if, if you're, if you're listening from somewhere on the planet that doesn't have a good real estate association, I'm really, really sorry because that's the best place to go to meet them. And if you're, meet, if you're in a place that doesn't have a real estate association, you probably ought to start one. What education should I get? Remember, Rachel, when I said it depends, there's a set of things that I can, without knowing you, without sitting down and talking to you, I absolutely know you need to get. You must learn how to source deals. You must learn how to talk to sellers. So let's let's call that negotiation, but it's more just talking to sellers and what questions to ask them and whatnot. You must learn how to come up with a reasonable after-repaired value for properties. So let's call that appraisal. It's not really as deep as appraisal, but you must learn how to look at properties and come up with mm, decent estimates of the repair costs. You must learn how to source money for your deals. And it's going to be different money depending on what the deals are. And you must learn the details of one exit strategy. And that's that's where it gets into the, I don't know where you start part, because I don't know, based on your current time, availability, resources, assets, et cetera. Wholesaling would be better for you. Retailing would be better for you. Um, providing rental housing could be an option. And I'll, I'll put in that also like Airbnb is sort of a form of that. I don't know if lease options would be best for you or, or if selling with owner financing would be best for you, but that's your set of things that you need to learn. Hope you hope you listen to this later on when it goes up on the podcast so that you can write that down. Cause I bet you didn't just write that down. So Start at your real estate association. Meet the people I just outlined for you. Get that basic education because you, you can't do anything with it. You are not prepared to be in real estate unless you know that list of six things that I just gave you. And uh then you will continue to learn throughout your real estate investing career. But that is the stuff that you absolutely must start with. So thank you for your question, Rachel. I appreciate it. And all of the other questions so um apparently we uh, don't need to take a third break (laughs) mike's just waving me off he's like nah we're good um so back to the questions that have come in via email ron from richmond says the market is hot prices are high should i sell my rental house now or wait until dot 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 question mark well ron you know what i'm gonna say i'm gonna say it depends It sounds like I'm reading into your one line email here that you kind of do want to sell your rental property. Like I assume we wouldn't be having this one sided conversation if you had not considered that you don't maybe want that rental anymore or that you're trying to, you know, sell it while the market's at the top and then maybe buy in again uh, when it goes down. So I'm going to, I'm going to operate off of that assumption. And I'm going to say that if it is a convenient time for you to sell, that now might be a really good time to do it. Now, could could prices go up even more between now and this time next year? Yeah, they could. But timing the market, trying, trying to wait until it's The absolute peak usually results in you waiting a minute too long and getting less than you probably could have. If you have some use for that money, if, if you, if you say, well, if I, if I sold my property in Richmond, then I could go buy two properties in Huntsville and I would really like to do that. Yeah, absolutely. This is a great time to sell and go buy in Huntsville. Uh, if you said to me, I, I'm probably just going to, I'm actually kind of, uh, kind of happy with my rental and all I'm going to do if I sell it is sit on a whole bunch of cash for as long as it takes for rentals to get cheap again. I'd say, you know, there's other ways to get cash out of your rental, like maybe refinance it and you don't have to do that right now. And I would also add Please make sure that you um, have looked at the tax consequences of selling. So many, so many people do not consider the tax consequences when they sell, especially if they if they've owned it for a long time. They know they're selling it for more money than they paid for it, but they forget that they have to recapture their depreciation. And it could be that that refinance thing is a much better option if you're going to have to pay 30, 40, 50, 60, $70,000 in taxes when you sell. It's so much better just to borrow the money to go do the next thing that you want to do. Money's cheap right now. I don't know if you have noticed that. Okay, question from George in Louisiana. He says, how do you... Okay. What he says is, how do you do if you are estimating for a rehabber for retail or a landlord? I'm going to guess that that question was, how do you know whether you are estimating for a rehabber for retail or for a landlord? And I am guessing that that is a question from a wholesaler who heard that it costs different, different amounts of money to renovate a property for rental than it does to renovate that same property for resale. Generally rehabbing it for rental is cheaper and it's also done differently. You do some things differently in a rental than you would do if you were rehabbing the property for resale. And that confuses a lot of wholesalers because they say, well, I am supposed to come up with a number because I do this formula that says I'm supposed to offer after-repaired value times 0.75 minus repair costs. And so what are the repair costs, the higher number for retail or the lower number for rental? There's a fairly simple answer to that question, George. And it is you estimate the repair costs for a property you're looking at based on the best use of the property, so if you are in an area where properties would normally sell to homeowners, they're not normally rental properties, you estimate for full retail. And then if you end up happening to sell it to a landlord, he, I'm sorry, a rental housing provider slap my own hand. We don't use that outmoded term anymore. If you're, if you end up selling to a rental housing provider, then okay, he spends less, to to renovate the property than you predicted, but also he doesn't have a property worth what the ARV you came up with was because he didn't fully rehab it. In an area where, you know, 75% of the properties are rentals, highest and best use is a rental. So you don't estimate it like it was going to be a full-on rehab property. So if it is likely to go retail. You estimate for retail every time. And if it is most likely to go rental, you estimate for rental every time. Okay. Uh, thank you for your question, George, and also Ron and Rachel and everybody else who called in or, uh, uh, emailed in with questions. Uh, we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing until then happy investing.